we are back with you. It is great to be here. Welcome to MMA FanCast. I am Ryan Middleton, your host with the most. I am joined by a lovely, lovely, lovely elderly man. His He goes by the name of Jim Sahara Mooney. What's up? What's up? What's up? He is... He is like going to his barbaric stage and now he always feels the need to flex his muscles on an MMA podcast where the people we talk about actually have muscles. Well, that's true. Eventually one day the people in podcast land are going to be able to see the true gun show that comes out during the podcast. Well, we do have one. We, we we did put one video podcast together just to kind of test run that out, and we have that available on YouTube on on the Octagon Twenty Four Seven YouTube channel, which we have a library. Most of it is currently private, and we're gonna put some stuff out there as we uh, as we feel neat as we feel necessary. But um, but yeah, we'll 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 start doing some video podcasts, and people can get um, a, a glimpse into what it what it really takes to be old, overweight, and lazy. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little teaser. Um, this uh, this podcast is going to be filled, in my opinion, with a lot of uh, Conor McGregor talk. Um, before we get into that, we had the uh, UFC Fight Night 101. But I, I'm just telling you, I'm just, Ryan, I'm just starting right off the bat that I can't wait to get into the Connor talk. Well, I, I don't know that we'll have a lot of Connor talk, but I can tell you that um, I don't even know who Connor is. So you're going to have to like give me a brief explanation of that. And I got, you know, there's some things on the docket here today that I think, um, you know, might take up some other time. But we will talk about this Con- Connor, Connor McPherson or something, or Mick something. And- not to mention, today is a very special day because we are giving, in honor of Thanksgiving, we are giving our less listeners a break. Oh, we are giving, we, we, we gave, now we disguised it as giving Pterodactyl the day off, but really we were giving our listeners a break from his nonsensical rhetoric i mean the guy was on here on this podcast earlier this week telling future mma you know current mma up-and-comers how to behave how to Mm, act good point yeah and so we just feel feel felt like you guys got your fill you guys got your fix of terry dactyl and his nonsense so we gave him the day off he may make a couple. Yeah. He, however, may make a couple appearances in you know disguising his voice right. during the show. He does that. He did that when we were in New York. On occasion, he uh, does. Yeah. Um, by the time you guys and gals out there in podcast land are listening to this, Terry Dactyl is probably going to be in Atlanta. Is that well, where? Hotland. I'll be in Atlanta. <laughs> there if- you have it. If they let me go! <laughs> well, thank you, Terry. So, we have, um, you guys, I believe, many of you, watched last night's UFC 101, Fight Night 101, um, and it was a great card. I gotta tell you, I know many of you might be more casual fans, um, watch the main events of these kind of fights. This was a card that... If you didn't see the whole thing, you gotta, you gotta, um, you gotta, um, I don't know. If you're, it's if just you, one, it's like the, 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 what was that most recent car? Was it Portland? Um, where we talked about if you missed it, if you didn't watch it, it's one of those ones that you're gonna wanna go back and see. Yeah. And that's what th- this one turned out to be because really the only fight that I was interested in seeing, I was waiting for the Brunson Whitaker fight, but there were a lot of, uh, a lot of fights leading up to that that were definitely well worth watching. Um, action, action packed, and I believe I read so- somewhere um, where this is this particular fight night, and maybe even including the pay per views, 
had the most fights go to a decision by the judges. Yeah, and, and it, which goes to show that this was a a car that had good matchmaking, that there weren't mismatches that were, you know, a, a lot of mismatches anyway. Um, this is the type of card that you say, hey, if you like fighting, you like to watch fighting, you like the, the strategy of a fight, you like to see guys who are going all out, men and, and women that are going all out in these fights, this is the card for you because they... Each one of these fights was was a good fight and um, had people really going out and giving their all to to make it happen. Um, just want to touch on the main event, which was quite honestly a barn burner of a round. I don't know exactly how long, how far into the the fight that this fight ended. I would assume it was like at the three or four minutes into the fight, but this was really something else. We had Derek Brunson, who is uh, a beast. He's a beast of a wrestler. He's a beast of a hard hitter. And facing Robert Whitaker, and he is also a beast. But this was kind of his coming out party, wasn't it, Jim? Yeah, I I didn't know uh, much about... I mean, I'd seen Whitaker a few times before, but um, Brunson was a name that I was familiar with and had seen him fight in the past. And I was... Because of my lack of knowledge with Whitaker, I was, um, I don't want to say I was pulling for Brunson, but I knew more about him, and it seemed to me like a style matchup, Brunson had the advantage. Early going, I can't even really say early going because it didn't last long, but I've never seen anything like that before yeah. in, in all the fights with how it went down. Yeah. Um, so... Just, just real quick, we'll get back to this, but we, you and I, we're not going to get into it tonight, but um, I just found it interesting that the past few weeks we have made mention about the refs and tough decisions, and could we do something like that? And sometimes, um, in our opinion, they may call it too early or waited too late. In the sense of stopping a yeah. fight. Yeah, and I think we had a number of those situations last night. Um, the uh, the Brunson fight, and then I think there were a couple other fights earlier where some rounds were given to to fighters, and you and I talked about this um, last night while we were while we were watching it, where you had an opinion that I think in the Jake Matthews fight it was in the Jake yeah, Matthews fight, thinking that a fight was going to go one way. I think well, you. If you go to octagon247.com, I live um, I live covered each of the rounds and gave you my analysis and my, you know, how I how I judged it and I gave I mean, I think each round in that in that Matthews fight was close, but I gave him the nod on each of those rounds and obviously the judges saw it much differently. But I said after the first two rounds that they were so close mm. that that um, that I was giving him it barely. Um, so those are the t types of things where you hear you say, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. That's a prime example because you don't know which way it's going to go. Even me versus someone sitting next to me, we'll see two the exact same thing and judge it two exactly different ways. So you got to really make it clear if, if it's going to go to the judges, and half the time it could go the yeah. opposite way anyway. So back to Brunson and Whitaker. Yeah, so so Brunson tagged Whitaker fairly early, and Whitaker was kind of reeling back, and Brunson just went nuts. Like, he was desperate, like desperation mode to get a knockout. It was like, it was as if it was the third round, and he was down two rounds on the scorecard, and he had to get a knockout. And he had to just do whatever it took. It was very... So for this early in the fight, I've never seen a high level, this high of a level... I mean, you go to MMA regional shows and stuff like that, you see all kind of stuff. But this high level fighter go after uh, uh, his opponent in such a way that he just left himself totally wide open. And... Um, you know, the the really funny thing is I, I saw a quote from Whitaker after the fight, 
And Whitaker was saying, he said, I was, as I was reeling back, I thought to myself, does he think I'm, I'm out of it because I'm totally with it right now. And so he was just waiting for his moment and he found that moment and he, boy, going backwards, he tagged Brunson. Brunson was dazed. He went after him from there and then he got the high kick, knocked him, knocked him out. Um, Well, he didn't knock him out, but for all intents and purposes, knocked him out, got some parting shots in and, and the fight was over. But I've never seen that high of a, you know, it was a, odd. A, a number seven or eight fighter in the world go very first thing, first round as desperate, as desperate to go after that knockout as I saw Derek Brunson last night. It was unorthodox. It was, um, we covered a, uh, a regional event in Akron, Ohio last week. And there were uh, a mix of amateur bouts and uh, some some lower level uh, circuit professional bouts, and we didn't see any of that action that we saw in the Brunson Whitaker fight, where it just seemed like one of the fighters was I don't want to say off balance, but it was just it it wasn't something that you would coach inside of a fight camp. That if you suspect your opponent to be dazed, that this is how you would react. It was it was almost like Ryan. I don't know if, if this will really paint the picture for anybody that hasn't seen it, but it's like um, you're back in high school and somebody says something to you across the classroom, and that that person goes after them, and it's like they're rushing to get to them, and there's some like tables or chairs in the way or other students and there's nothing that's going to stop them from getting there and he had he almost had that look on his face too yeah i agree it was, it was odd it was very odd um that was um so just want to read some quotes brunson said this after the fight he says it really sucks i put together a streak and worked really hard but i came out here and fought with no game plan like a chump tonight i'll take it on the chin i'm better than i showed the sport is growing it's about patience rather than getting caught up in five in a row on a title shot main event the goal is to put on a great fight and be smart i had him up against the cage and i felt him breathing really hard i could have really slowed him down and gotten the takedown. But I didn't make smart decisions. Instead of going to my wrestling, which I knew I had the upper hand, I was more intent on trying mm-hmm. to knock him out. We've talked about this before. I call it the the cost check effect. I'm really good at one thing. I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for the flashy knockouts. So I'm going to try to do that and in turn get knocked out. That happened to... Uh, Cost check that happened to Brunson, and I think he'll he'll learn from that. I was talking to you earlier about the the other the quote from uh, Whitaker. This is exactly what he says. He says it's funny because I actually remember in the fight as I was backing away, I was thinking, does he think he rocked me? I wasn't rocked. I was still in it. A lot of people were critical of his game plan charging for charging forward, but ask the last four dudes. He takes you out of it. So Brunson was relying on that power, that knockout, that that thing, and was going at it desperate, and he clearly knows that that was a mistake. I think he's going to bounce back, but um, that's a humbling loss for him, I think, too. Yeah, the uh, the post-fight analysis uh, was at FS1, was uh, Kenny Florian and um, Gilbert Melendez, and I can't remember which of the two. I think it was uh, Kenny Flo who said... That maybe this was a. It's either Ken Flo or Kenny Florian. You can't, you can't do Kenny Flo. Like this is this is mine. Ken Florian. Neither who, one of those. Okay, are... so who named uh, Rafael Da? That's me. <laughs> no, you you can't. Do you that. say RDA or you gotta go Rafael Dos Anjos. You can't go Ken Kenny Flo. I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. I can do. This is a man. You can't. He's a MMA. He's a former. He's a retired MMA fighter. He dictates what you call him, or he'll just kick your butt. I haven't had any feedback yet from Rafael Da about going RDA. So he until knows. Kenny Flo calls me and no, says he it's is not be Ken Kenny Flo. Flo. So okay. 
first of all, it's Ken Flo or Kenny Florian. All right. So one of the two made the comment um, in regards to the fight that they thought, and, and they didn't have anything to back it up. They were just putting it out there. I think it's Ken, Kenny Flo. All right. Terry Dactyl, that's enough out of you. Okay. Um, although I am in Terry Dactyl's corner. I'm on Team Terry Dactyl right now with that comment. Team TD. He says You guys Kenny are Flo. ganging up on me all the time. No. That's darn right! Thank you, TD. It's enough out of you. So, um, but he made the comment that maybe this was a conditioning issue, and he knew that he wasn't going to be able to go five rounds. Well, so, I mean, I think he says something like that after the fight, but yeah, he didn't but, make any kind of comment about an injury or could, no, no. I'm I'm just saying that was their he um, said analysis. He, not not. I'm trusting Brunson. Right. This is before Brunson got Absolutely. a chance to talk. He said I was an idiot. Basically, I'm, no fighter is going to come out though and say, you know what, my conditioning wasn't there, and I, you know, I figured that if I was going to take this, I had to go all out in the first round because. My my camp didn't set me up to go five rounds. I don't. You see what I'm saying? The Ken Flo or Kenny Florian. Kenny Flo was saying that. I think he was. They were trying to come up with a way that you could excuse what he did, and that was like a hypothetical way. He wasn't actually saying that that was the case. I didn't say it was either. Well, I'm saying there's no there's nothing. I'm just trying that. to pass on some information to you. Apparently, you have this issue with. Kenny Flo. You no, don't like I him. don't even know who Kenny Flo is. I know Kenny Florian. I, I, I know Ken Flo. His name. So, moving on, this was the, the biggest news story of this week, and and it was kind of tied to a couple different news stories. Was you have Daniel Cormier who headlining UFC 206, which is coming up on December 17th, and um. Or no, the, yeah, December. Well, we had, there were a couple December things, a couple big 10th. mentions. Is it December tenth? Yeah, December tenth is uh, UFC two hundred six in Toronto. So, so the first bit of news we got, well, the biggest bit of news was Daniel Cormier got injured and was pulled from the fight, and that was the that's the headlining uh, fight on the card. A couple days earlier, um, Rashad Evans who we all remember, UFC 205, had a fight scheduled with Tim Kennedy. That fight got pulled. We never really got to hear what the issue was, but there was speculation that, you know, it, it was obviously medical. but Yeah, something with an MRI. Yeah, and so, and so Rashad Evans' camp basically came back and said, we retested, that he should be allowed to fight, uh, but they have a no-tolerance policy. Well... The uh, uh, Ontario Athletic Commission in in Canada and Toronto the the uh, Toronto area they also will not sanction a bout with Rashad. So you have Rashad Evans and Tim Kennedy off the two hundred six card. You have the which is which was the third fight from the top. Then you have Daniel Cormier Cormier. And pulled off the card, and Anthony Johnson, um, who was going for a title shot, is, is off the card now. So you go from a very strong card that had a title, uh, you know, Daniel Cormier and, and Anthony Johnson for the light heavyweight championship, Max Holloway and Anthony Pettis for, you know, uh, to, to be right up there in the, in the running for the 145 belt. You had Rashad Evans and Tim Kennedy, which was a great, great bout. And you had Donald Cerrone and Matt Brown. Those four fights that headlined this card and made it a really strong main card. Now you're looking at the main car, the main fight being Bax Holloway and Anthony Pettis. So the big news that came out yesterday was that Conor McGregor's featherweight belt. He gave up. And so now, only because they wanted Max Holloway versus Anthony Pettis to be for something. To be the main event for something. So that will be for the interim 
pound belt. And so UFC 206, Jim, is a mess. It's hurting, yeah. And so two of the top four fights on the card were pulled. We find out yesterday that they booked a bout between Tim Kennedy and Kelvin Gastelum. However, Kelvin Gastelum was was uh, suspended by the New York State Athletic Commission for six months for not showing up and and essentially not only missing weight but not showing up. Yeah, to I the don't. Weights. I don't understand how. And Cerrone's on the card, so. Cerrone can't be happy about this, about um, about Gastelum possibly being on the card. I mean, they made the announcement, so I guess it is official. And uh, and I well, it, it's not official because well, until we know that the that the Ontario Athletic Commission is going to we'll sanction honor that, yeah, but because the Athletic Commissions all honor each other's suspensions, mm-hmm. so if the New York State Athletic Commission suspends a fighter. They're new to the new to the fight game. They have different set of rules, expectations. Most of the other commissions, if not all of them, are going to honor their suspensions. I don't know what the UFC is doing. Ariel Hawani tweeted it yesterday, something to the effect of they're playing with fire here in announcing this before they have any type of... Uh, any type of approval from the Ontario State Athletic Commission or the New York State Athletic Commission. I think that needs to be worked out before they announce this fight. Yeah, what's interesting is that if, let's just say it does happen, that they're going to give him the chance to come back at um, at 170, which I think is crazy. He couldn't even get within 10 pounds. He couldn't even communicate to his opponent's fight camp that he's having issues and may not make it. I you know if I'm his opponent I'm going in there thinking you know I may not even fight this night. Well Tim uh Tim Kennedy's a middleweight. So Tim Kennedy's 185. Right. Be, right. And uh oh so you're saying that maybe Gaslam doesn't even have to cut. Well, I mean or, or at least he's, he's taking this fight at 185. Yeah. So which I I mean he's a probably, big dude. Yeah, he's probably there's a if he doesn't take this cut seriously, there's a chance he misses 185 yeah. here on short notice. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Um, but he walks he walks around plus 200. Um, you know, I would think that he should he imagine the black eye that he would have if he can't make 185. Well, and on on short notice to help save a card is a little different than a t- than a two hundred five situation. I completely disagree with you on that because if he was, you know, uh, based on what Dana said, Dana didn't Dana White didn't think that he was within ten pounds. So they they figured he was like eleven or twelve pounds somewhere in that area. We don't even know. That's the whole right. So he let's just say been, he could have been twenty. Case. Let's assume right. he weighed one eighty five. Yeah, but going forward, first of all, I I think the uh, Ontario Athletic Commission should honor um, New York State. It doesn't make sense for one to just bypass because then, you know... Well, no other athletic commission in all of mixed martial arts suspends anybody for not making weight. So this is an unprecedented suspension, and New York is new to the game, so... I think the athletic commissions, um, under the unified well, rules of mixed martial arts, should determine what suspensions, you know, what what are suspendable offenses and what aren't. But they didn't suspend him, right? They didn't suspend him for not making weight. He was suspended for not showing up for the weigh-in. Well, and 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 nobody suspends for that. That's that's the that's the, it, you don't get your fight purse. You don't get all yeah. those things. But a suspension is not something. Now. Um, there was a suspension for not making weight for um, who was the other fighter on the 205 card that didn't make weight? Uh, that was Jim Miller. at yeah, it was at Thiago the, Alves. Miller came in at like 157, and Alves was 162. But uh, uh, Miller didn't get suspended, but Alves did for not making weight. He got suspended for two months. Okay, but 
But that's I think that's different. You, do you see do you see what I'm saying? Got suspended for not making weight, still fought. Um, Gastelum didn't even show up, and Correct. I think that so, but, so maybe there's something in their contract that says you know has language in there that talks about not even showing up where it's well, there's an appearance nothing in the contract. issue. I don't. Well, we don't know that. I'm just saying the, you, the athletic commission has their own rules. Their own rules. Okay, so I use the wrong language, but I you know I'm I'm saying that there may be language in there that says you need. To show up for the weigh-in, if you don't adhere to these guidelines or these rules, I should say, not even guidelines, um, that you know, I would assume that they've got things written in stone, and then after the ruling is made, then there can be concessions made to cut it down. But I, I don't, you know, because they came out pretty quick. It wasn't. Uh, long after, where he got that six month suspension, so there had to be something in there that you know said, "This is where we go." Now it's between the UFC and New York. You would think that's the case, but a lot of times, especially when you're new to it, you're just <laughs> these guys don't have as much as we we give them a little too much credit for being more organized than who knows. I think that the commissions need to get together under the universal rules of mixed martial arts and determine what are suspendable offenses and what are not. Um, That would make the most sense to me. Um, So this 206 card is not healthy. It it just doesn't. It just doesn't. I mean, there's a couple uh, fights on there that I want to see. Obviously, Holloway and Pettis. and we'll get to what I say is controversy surrounding that fight. Then we got Cerrone and Brown. Um, Matt Brown we got to spend some time with in um, in Cleveland at UFC 203. Cub Swanson, I'm anxious to see him. I haven't seen him fighting in a while. Um, just, you know, missed some of his bouts. But um, that fight and then the Drew, Drew Dober fight. Yeah, I love, because, I love me some Drew Dober. Yeah. He, he had some vicious... Which is a term we used last podcast. Yeah, he had some vicious leg kicks at um, at two oh three. He had some. He got some trunks dude, on him. He's a little beast. I, I he's he's an official. So we got some personal favorites for Octagon Twenty Four Seven dot com as well as MMA Fancast. One of those favorites is Drew Dober. Just guys we've got we got to spend some time with, and. Uh, well, Terry Dactyl, how do you feel about Drew Dober? I think he's a great guy, but he has a wrong name. <laughs> and what name would you call him? Um, Ricky something? I would call him Ricky Lundell. <laughs> it, uh, TD, it's time for you to be quiet. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, so Drew Dober is one of those guys that we really... Um, we really like he's a, he's a good guy. Um, he is not a world famous trainer, Ricky Lindell. Somebody you should keep an eye on, though. He is. I I, I like him. He's a, he's a good guy. Um, looking at the rest of the card, you know, they have some you know decent fighters, but I look at this card. I still don't see a, a pay per view card. This no, is this, a, this this is a, a fight good night. fight night card. This is a very good fight night card. I, so I would expect pay-per-view buys on this card to be very low. I'm talking um, 250, 280 yeah. um, tops, 250 to 280,000 sales. I think the 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 crowd. I haven't seen the ticket sales. I, I should actually take a look at that. Um, no, I'd we be still surpri- got some time. I'd um, be surprised if the ticket sales were were good. Um, they don't have um, the you know, GSP factor on Yeah, it. I was just going to say there's a couple things that are missing here. You know, there I, I don't – maybe there is some way to get GSP in there because, you know, we're at uh, like two weeks away. I highly doubt that's going to happen, but there's still um, Rumble, Anthony Johnson – Who's left standing there without an opponent? Well, he has said he's he he doesn't want to fight. He wants to wait for the title shot. Okay. Which hurts. I mean, yeah. they could have found a replacement for him. Right. I mean, I don't know that 
it's real easy to find someone that wants to go in there on short notice against Anthony Rumble Johnson, the guy who hits harder than anyone in all of MMA. The guy who knocks would have gone in there. I'll fight him. (laughs) Terry, don't get ahead of yourself here. Um, yeah, Yeah, but Rumble. So the UFC 206 card really struggling here. Moving on. This path, we, we mentioned that McGregor gave up the featherweight belt. Um, I really, you know, McGregor gets a lot of flack from his haters. Um, he catches a lot of flack. This guy is a is a true is truly a company man. The timing, he could have he could have said no. He could have said no. You're not taking the featherweight belt. Put up a big stink. He knew this card needed help, so he went with the timing and said, fine, you can take the featherweight championship title away from me and uh, and make this bout, the new headliner, Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, be for something. And it really needed, they really needed it for something. I still think that only hardcore fans know who Max Holloway is. For those of you that are listening and don't know who Max Holloway is... Watch out. This mm-hmm. kid is a beast. He took him to a decision. He's very, very good. He has not lost um, outside of a decision loss to McGregor in quite some time. He's like nine, I think. He He's he's a beast. Now, did, uh, did McGregor relinquish on his own accord? Because I thought the UFC... Stripped him of it, and they they took it away. Well, I think I'm pretty sure that because at that point, you know, he doesn't have really a say. Um, he's by by all accounts, everything that I read, this was a UFC decision, not a Conor McGregor and UFC decision. Well, so Conor McGregor can put his foot. He he has more leverage than any fighter in UFC history, so he can put his foot down and. I guarantee you they talked to him. They said, hey, we're going to take the belt from you. We don't have, really have a choice. If he wanted to. So this is where the the river meets the road, right? So he either puts his foot down, puts a big stink up, and potentially drags this thing out. Or he says, all right, go ahead. I believe that he he probably did the latter. He probably said, you know what? I'm okay with not having to to cut down to 145 anyway. I got I made history. That that's done with. Sure, I'd like to have three belts and go up for welterweight and and face Tyron Woodley, which I don't know if that's in the future for him anyway. Well, but, but he's been on record as saying that he wanted to defend in uh in both divisions. Who is he defending 145? He's not fighting Aldo. He has no he has no desire to fight Aldo. And so why award Aldo that belt when he Cuz he's the interim champ. He's got a bad bad record of defending his title. Cuz I read somewhere you know maybe we can pull it well, up. Well, he's pulled out but of some, a ton yeah, of like fights. He's five always... of them, five title fights, not five Correct. fights, but five t- is it five? I don't know. Let's just go with five title fights that he's. If we're going to go with a made-up number, let's say ten. Okay, I think it's twelve title fights. Six hundred title fights at least. What do you think of that, Terry? I think it was a thousand. (laughs) Terry, zip it. Come on, Terry. So, um, you know, Jose Aldo put up a big stink. Was um, very critical of everything that he didn't get his title shot and all this stuff. Now he has the belt. Do you think Jose Aldo's happy now? I don't think the UFC really cares if he's happy or not. But yeah, Aldo, we even blogged about it. It was on UFC, or it was on UFC. It was on Octagon247.com. Well, with the traffic, our our traffic is pretty similar to the traffic at UFC.com. So that's why you got confused with Octagon247.com. Right. Yeah. But um, we talked about that. There is a post on there about Aldo and him basically crying, whining, and saying that he was going to retire if or 
just um, just leave UFC. You leave UFC or retire altogether is what I meant to say. Yeah. He wanted out of his contract, and then he thought of you know all these different things. Now, Jose Aldo, you are the featherweight title holder again. I haven't checked the UFC site, but I would assume you are listed as the champion. My question to you right now is, do you feel better? No. No. How could you? How could you feel better now? You're a paper champion. Right. You exactly. are now a paper yeah. champion. So yeah. you you wanted him to either have to fight you or give up the belt. He had no interest in fighting you, not before making history and doing things far greater than what a rematch against you could ever do for him. And now you're listed, and I'm checking that as we speak, as the UFC welterweight or featherweight, featherweight. champion. Do you feel better? Um, going back to while you're looking at that, I want to mention this. Going back to Connor, I I'm wondering if what you if there's anything to what you said that Connor was okay with this. And maybe he's got some other things in the works because we did hear some rumors about him doing something with the WWE while he waits for his girlfriend to have their first baby. So maybe he talked to them. That was already in the works. He knew that this was coming up. He probably talked to Dana and said, my girlfriend gets stressed out. It's not going to be good for the baby. I'm going to need to take some time off. And by the way... Um, Getting into some action in the WWE during this time frame, and then Dana says, "Okay, well, let's go ahead and we'll do something with one of these belts. You just won the 155. We're gonna um, have you vacate the uh, the featherweight belt down the road. Then that you know creates some more interest well, in him because he's gonna he's gonna go back to 145. This is I guess he's not it. going back. He to will absolutely. You're crazy. He will not get not gonna happen. He will. He cleaned out the division. Who's there to Who's there to make money from? It, it's Conor McGregor. He's who's at 170 that? Well, hold on, just hear me out on this. I'm looking at you like, right. did you really just say that? You know there there is some something to. A size issue, like uh, I forget who who it was that said this, that he may be too small for 170. I don't think that's an issue at all for Connor. I think he can go into 170 and, and do well, but will Dana let him go in and then run through 170 or just stand there for the title fight? He's- so, so that's what I meant by. Who's you know? So he fights Woodley. Let's say he wins that. What's next? Obviously, you got to go with either Wonder Boy or go back to Woodley to settle one seventy. No, so, you could go back to one. He fights enough. Most most champions yes, fight twice absolutely. a year. He fights four times a year. He fights yeah. every three or four months. Right. He fights enough that he can defend two divisions belts. I agree, and that's 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 what I'm saying. Does does Dana want him because he's going to go back to one forty five? He will. No, he won't. He's got 145, 155, 170. He do will you do remember it. what Conor McGregor looks like? I know what like he looks like. I know what he looks like. Yeah. For when he fought at 145. He does he is not going to go back to that. He doesn't need to. There's no one in the division that makes him the kind of money that 55ers and this 70s. Is, this make. is Conor McGregor we're talking about. He doesn't need to go to 170. So, but we're talking about somebody who doesn't think like you and I do. Connor just wants everybody to agree with him and that he can whoop anybody at any weight class. No, you're wrong. So, Holloway. Connor, Connor is a businessman. Everything mm-hmm. he does is about making money, being profitable. Yes, it is. Yeah, but, well, but if there, he, there is something to that, Ryan, though, but. He's a fighter. He's a fighter. And this is... No, he's not a fighter. He's the Mike Tyson of our generation. He's he's a Muhammad Ali of our generation, where he stands in front of somebody and he's got the smack talk. And then, like Tyson, he comes out and he does... I mean, everybody wants to see that left hand Let me connect. ask you this. If you made less money when you talk smack, 
If, if you got paid, if, if the interest, the public interest for a smack talker went dramatically down, would Conor McGregor talk smack? I think that's part of his... his so you're saying he would talk smack fight. and take less money? Um, no, but... Because he's a businessman first! But, but that's... That's apples to oranges. It makes no... It has his no motivation on... for talking smack does not have to do with the talking smack. It has to do with the excitement that it causes his fans to have and the commitment they have to spend a lot of money on his fights and the fact that he's going to be on SportsCenter and he can promote these fights better than anyone else where he's making all of this, all of this money. That's why he does it. Um... There's some truth to that, but there's there's also this this is how he is. Are you gonna this put is, me to sleep now? With this your is Brian. This is the fighter that he is. You're you're missing what makes Conor McGregor Conor McGregor. It's not like he. It's this so is then him. why in post fight? Why in post fight after a fight doesn't he not continue to berate his opponent? Because he's talked about that before, where he says he's got respect for anybody that will get in that ring. Doesn't matter at Correct. what weight class. He, he knows has. they're getting into that into the cage with him. And after that final bell rings, or the ref stops in, there's no more financial stops, motivation right. for him to do it. And that's that for the most part stops because you remember what he said at 205 and his apology. Yeah, we apologized to absolutely nobody. Uh-huh. So what? So, but that's at the end of the fight, and you don't think that's smack talk right there? That is total smack talk, not to his opponent. He doesn't say, "Eddie Alvarez, you're a piece of crap." Like, I, no, he shows respect to him because there's no more right. financial incentive. the The fight happened, the draw happened. His <laughs> promotion is over for that fight. All right, come down from the desk. All right, I'm going to climb. And give you the flying elbow. All right, Jimmy Snuka, super, super fly. fly. He was he was my he was my uh, one of my childhood heroes. Super fly. Then he come to find out he did some. He's a he's yeah, in right. some craziness now. All right, Misha Tate retired after UFC two hundred five. She has now um, is talking about taking on a role as a Fox analyst, and part of that is is going to be talking a lot, right? So she's already started that, and she has is, she is mentioned she's questioning the motivation of Ronda Rousey in her return and whether or not she's <clears throat> feels an obligation to do it or if she's really in fight mode, if she really um, is is a desperate fighter like she's always, always been. And she also said that she's rooting for Amanda Nunez to retain the title. Yeah, I I heard that and I was I I wonder if she had some inside information when she said that. Because, you know, those are uh she is a common foe for uh for both of them, for both Rousey and, and Nunez. Mm-hmm. And interesting enough, um one of uh Octagon247.com's fighter favorites from 203, Betch Kohea, who was cordial to us when, when we spoke with her. She had a comment about Tate. What's her first name again? How do you say her first name? Betch. She's a what? B-E-T-H, Betch. No, it's B-E-T-H-E. Oh, that's right. There is there's a silent E. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. So, go ahead with your... So, she's... Um, commented on Tate and said that uh, I forget exact the exact quote so paraphrasing here it was something along the lines of Tate is showing weakness and a lack of fire and that's why she got out and now Tate is talking about Rousey saying that you know maybe there's a lack of fire there and does she really have any motivation to get back into the ring or is there some sort of obligation for her, you know, whether it's you know from uh, from Dana White or other 
you know, outside influences that are causing her to get back in the ring with Amanda Nunez. Now, I think that's that is to to come back and take her on. That's, I mean, we know we've seen what Nunez can do, what she has done. This is somebody that can inflict a beating with with the hands. You know, Rousey took a beating for the most part with that brutal leg leg kick that took her out, where she lost the belt. You know, I I wonder what her motivation is, and what's going to happen. You know, come December thirtieth, and she's not the winner. Will she leave? Because she's made the comment herself that she's not much longer um, going to be around after this. That she's got other things going on that she wants to pursue. Yeah, I. So what what Betch Correa said, I just totally threw out the window. It's like. For, for me, that's like sour grapes. You know, she she basically said she showed she's bipolar because when the UFC didn't want her fighting for the belt, she wanted to retire. She lost to Raquel and got herself in a bad phase, lost to Amanda and announced her retirement. When you're not going, when you're not going the way you want and you run away from it, that shows weakness. Misha Tate clearly said, my desire to continue doing this has gone. Like, you don't need further explanation than that. To say it shows weakness, I, it's just her comment. Sometimes Betch Correa's, it seems like she's trying to stay... Stir the pot stir and stir stay the relative. Pot and, stay, and sometimes it doesn't even make sense. Stay relevant, not... Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes what's, the thing she says doesn't even make sense. So I totally threw those out the window. As far as Misha Tate, what she said about Ronda was, I guess what's really difficult for me to decide is what we're going to get out of Rousey. Is she doing it because she wants she wants to, or is she doing it uh, because she feels obligated? Is that knockout going to be in the back of her mind? Is she going to be punch shy? It's kind of like I remember when I was skiing for the first time. I was five years old, and I just... Blitz down the hill. I had no fear. The first time that I wrecked really, really hard is when I realized that it, this is actually dangerous. So you kind of wonder what was that put in her ba- in the back of her mind. I know that Amanda is a solid fighter and she hits like a ton of bricks. She's a very worthy opponent. It should be interesting. I want Amanda to win. She's a sweetheart and a good girl. I think she deserves it. So I don't think there's anything that Tate says that's that's. Any anything negative about Rousey, I think it's just, you know, is she really in this because she wants to fight, or does she is she motivated because of a, you know, the the opportunity and the money that the UFC uh, allowed her, the opportunities that it, it granted her, um, does she feel an obligation to come back? I find it odd that she's away from the sport for a year, is coming back doing some promotional stuff and announcing that, you know, she's not going to be around for very long. Yeah. I, I don't know what's, what's going on in her head, but just, you know, obviously from the outside looking in it, having taken that loss the way that she did, I think if, if she, cause you see her now in the commercials where she talks about not being perfect um, perfect doesn't get the chance to you know, do this. Yeah. yeah, so she's okay with it. Now, you know, obviously that's an endorsement deal for her, but I think that, you know, her makeup, I think that still gnaws at her. And I wonder if it's going to affect her focus on the fight. And she comes in, I, I think she's still going to have um, that loss in the back of her mind. And you know, I, I just see her coming out as being cautious because it wasn't like it was a close fight. That once she got hit by um, by Holly, there was a different look on her face, and it was almost like she was. I've used this before, but it she, like she had a fear in her eyes. She had never been in this position in a fight before in the UFC. Yeah, you know where or she in was any starting. Fight. To, yeah, where well, she was starting to take pain. Yeah, well, uh, so that's what she's saying is, does she have that fire? I think if Ronda Rousey comes into this fight with the mindset of, 
how do I get this fight to the ground and break her arm off? She's going to do that. That's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Right, right. But if she comes in with the mindset of, oh, I'll see how long we can stand, and then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe look for a takedown. No. Everything you should be doing should be looking for the clinch, looking for the takedown, and looking to break her arm off. Not, or maybe not even a takedown, as Ronda Rousey likes to do, a throw. <laughs> yeah. Do a judo throw. So I think that... Um, yeah, if if she comes in with that type of determination and mindset that I'm gonna come in there, I'm gonna get the fight to the ground, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take her arm home as a trophy, then I think she's gonna do it. But she can't be messing around with with the pride that comes along with trying to be the stand-up fighter against someone who has that who's better than you at that and just concede that be the better fighter and take their arm arm home as a trophy do what you do best do what you do all it it takes um what was who was it uh, that just recently fought damian maya um but you know it was a uh i mean damian maya just twisted him up like a pretzel um you know used his uh jujitsu and uh, I forgot who it was, but so my point is, Damian Maya didn't change. Well, Maya's what... last fight was against Carlos Condit. Yes, and it was a rear naked choke. Yes, uh huh. So, um, <sighs> Dame, using that example, he didn't come out and try and box, you know, throw blows with Condit. Yeah, you know, he would have probably lost. He came out and did what he knew was going to be the the heavy advantage, in my opinion, against his opponent. Yeah. He used that to his advantage, and he won. Going back to what you said several times before, the Josh Koscheck effect. Mm-hmm. Look what happened at 205. We had a wrestler who decided to box. You know, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Why go away from what got you there? Yeah, I mean, get better at those yes. things. Get better at those <clears throat> things and use getting better at the boxing to make it easier to do those things. Uh, this whole use what is your best suit, your best skill, the one that will set you, you know, put you on a pedestal above others, or at least on par with the top in your division. Well, and that's the thing with Josh Koscheck. There's some, there's a bit of I understand why he wanted to be the knockout artist because that's more flashy and essentially makes more money, and it's the sexier thing to be. However. When you when it takes you from the top and doesn't you know it comes at an expense you gotta you gotta weigh that <laughs> it can't come at the expense of losing fights I mean you gotta turn when tr- try to do the knockout thing but also you know when a guy has you outclassed use your power as a way to set up your takedown all right. There's a balance there, and I, I just don't. Now, I know that we are, you know, uh, we're basically a month away from UFC 207. We still got to go through 206 and a bunch of fight nights before we even get there. But that is, that's going to be a tough fight, as all title fights are, tough to call. But this one is going to be interesting to see how it plays out because, you know, we just talked about how what Rousey really needs to do is use her you know, top-level skill, which is judo, um, jiu-jitsu, you know, do whatever she can to get Nunez to the mat and then snap her arm off. Her get her some, yeah. yeah, her grappling's pretty... <clears throat> Top-notch. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's going to happen is Nunez is going to keep her at bay with a lot of jabs, you know, using her boxing skills so that she can't get close. And then... What I see potentially happening, um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not coming out with an official prediction, but I think it's going to frustrate Rousey if she doesn't get it within the first round and get a submission. I think it's going to frustrate her, and then, well, that's all she'll... part of her training, though. Right. So I think sure. part of her training should be. Like, listen, it's going to take you a while to get that takedown. You might not get it till the second round, but you're going to keep going for it. You're going to keep going for it. And she has to have that mentality of, I'm not going to get it the first bunch of times, but 
eventually I am, and I'm going to take her down, and I'm going to break her arm off. Mm-hmm. And I think I think she's going to do that. It, again, in the home fight, it blew my mind that she had totally abandoned going for the takedown with one failed attempt, maybe two. I think it was just one. Um, that was a year ago. Yeah, it was but... just one where she went for the throw. Yeah. Um, but she will, if if she does, if she stays focused and tries to take it to the mat, she's going to take probably a couple in the chops. Yeah. Um, well, but she has look, to be prepared for that. Take a look at home now in hindsight, and we saw her weaknesses. I see that rematch, if she ever rematched, I see that being a very different fight. Because I think that Rousey would have wouldn't be discouraged from one failed takedown attempt. Yeah. I think you know, to each their own. Hindsight's twenty twenty, or as as um um who was the who was the famous person that said hindsight's fifty fifty? Who was that? Uh, Leo DeRocher. I said famous person. Who's that? You never heard of him, Casey no, Stengel? I, I think it was like. George Bush or something. Someone like, yeah. Anyway, so hindsight, you're using that fuzzy Hindsight math. is not 2020. <clears throat> it's 50-50, just in case you were okay. wondering. Not really. Anyway, um, talk about a little bit of going on in the heavyweight division. There's some, there's some uh, you know, a little bit of buzz going on with Big Nog mm-hmm. talking about Fedor and is it time for him to retire? Fedor has just recently signed on with a uh, Bellator on a multi-fight deal. And, you know, Big Nog says, you know, that he's past his prime and that he's not able to do it anymore. Um, we are going to find out on at the Bellator uh, fight. I think it's in January. We don't really cover all that much Bellator, but this is certainly... Uh, Mitrione versus Fedor, something that we will be talking about and we will be covering. Um, Fedor Emelianenko, for those of you that aren't aware, that he is widely considered the greatest heavyweight of all time and at one point was widely considered the greatest MMA fighter of all time. I think that it that is no longer believed to be the case with Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre, but um, he's right up there in that list anyway. He he fought um, over in Pride for many years um, and never got uh, a deal done with the UFC. They've tried repeatedly. There's always been issues deal, them deal, in their dealings with each other, and so um, he says that... Uh, Fedor is is out of it and no longer should be fighting. Um, his last fight against uh, Fabio Maldonado. Fabio Maldonado used to fight in the UFC, kind of a journeyman, mid mid tier kind of guy, and really gave Fedor fits in Russia. And Fedor got a decision win that was very controversial. I. Th- if my memory serves me correctly, I think that that uh, decision got overturned to a draw or something, something weird. Um, yeah, so that was a very odd fight. Fedor comes in. If you've never seen Fedor fight, he is um, ferocious, and he comes in early in that fight, and he'll he'll he, he attacks. And um, I've seen him many many times. Um, some people that he's fought that you would be familiar with. Um, Bigfoot. Vanderlei Silva, Bigfoot. A lot of the old pride guys that came over. Mirko Krokop, um, who if you only watched UFC, you you saw Krokop and you didn't really see. Krokop was a beast um, over in pride uh, before he came to the UFC and and was not in his prime or w- wasn't in his best fighting um, shape when he came over. So Big Nog says, hey, it's time for Fedor to retire. Come January, we'll find out if Big Nog was accurate or not. Junior Dos Santos has called out Stipe Miocic in a very friendly tweet. He says, hey, Stipe, 
Enjoy Thanksgiving in your new home. Hope it's filled with great food and friends. Let's fight after the holidays. Brooklyn, let me know. Very nice. Very nice. Nice holiday card. <laughs> I mean, that was in the, the early Christmas card, maybe? I'm pretty sure that after that tweet, Hallmark has sent him job offers. It was just like the nicest call out for a fight in the history of fights. Ben Rothwell saw this and was extremely annoyed. He sends Stipe, the heavyweight champion, who we got to see live, defend his belt against Alistair Overeem at UFC 203. He says to him, serious, who cares, man? F off. Are we going to build the heavyweight division or what? So Ben Rothwell didn't take too kindly to that. And um, that's your MMA news roundup for the week. Jim, you got anything else you want to add? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on um, the uh, the Fedor and Matt Mitrione fight. I, I don't think there's much of a, a battle there. I think Fedor is going to take him out and pretty quickly. Well, that's what I think. If, 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 if Fedor takes him out quickly, I mean... That's how Fader wins. If Mitrione survives the first couple minutes, I don't think Mitrione. I I don't think Fedor can hang after that. Maybe you know because of age and stamina. Well, Fedor has this this intimidation factor. That sure. No fighter. I'm. I kid you not. Anderson Silva does not intimidate the way. Fedor does. Fedor is the most intimidating fighter in MMA. I I don't know how Dan Henderson was not intimidated by Fedor. Well, maybe when Dan, you're, you're Dan, Henderson. Dan Henderson. Yeah. No. But Fedor comes out and he just throws with such fer- ferociousness and oh, his, yeah, his punches are thrown. And he uh, goes. He's a little wild too, with evil intent. Oh, absolutely. So, but uh, but going to, to Mitrione, just looking at his his record, it to me, in my opinion, is not all that impressive. Um, going back three fights ago for him, this was uh, Dillashaw versus Cruz fight night back in January. He lost to Travis Brown by knockout. Prior to that, he lost to Ben Rothwell. He's lost to Brendan Schaub. Um, he lost to Roy Nelson, Czech Congo. Um, you know, I don't. I've never been a well, Matt Mitrione fan. You you are leaving out his wins. I mean, he's beat some good guys too. He beat Derek Lewis. Derek he beat Lewis. Gabe Gonzaga. He get, he beat Sean Jordan. He beat uh, Christian Moorcraft. He's beat Kimbo Slice, Joey Beltran. He's faced some. Hold on. Go back. Kimbo Slice. We gotta. Yeah. That doesn't even count. Kimbo Slice counts. It, it doesn't count. Absolutely sure, it's does. a victory, but... He stood with Kimbo Slice and won. It's Kimbo Slice. Come on, you're not really calling him a uh, a true mixed martial artist. I didn't. I said he stood with him and won. Yeah. He stood with him and won. But, well, you know, my point being that I didn't think, you know, I didn't think much of Kimbo Slice. Kimbo Slice was a guy that... You know, was known for YouTube videos and beating up bums. And then the UFC jumped on that bandwagon of his popularity, drew fans so, in So you're calling for Houston that. Alexander a bum? I'm not calling him a bum because, you know, everybody can uh, in the UFC is totally capable of, of getting caught or catching someone, catching their opponent. So he won a decision. <laughs> he just he, he not he's not the, you know classic the crazy UFC thing? fighter. I've been watching UFC for so long that Houston Alexander and Kimbo Slice seems recent to me. Looking at the that that, that occurred in two thousand and nine, yeah. seven years ago. Uh-huh. I can't believe how old I am. You are old. I've been dude. watching UFC for a long time. Anyway, that's going to wrap us up for today. We are so glad you joined us. Um, Hey, we would love to hear from you guys. Info at octagon247.com. We would also love for you to review us. 
rate us on iTunes or whichever podcast um, medium you're using to listen to us. And uh, we'd appreciate that greatly. Thank you so much for joining us. On behalf of the gang, Jim Sahara Mooney and Terry Dactyl. Thanks, guys. We uh, This is Ryan Middleton signing off and wishing you a very amazing week.